Because in here it's like mild. <laughs> Our window's open. Yo, welcome to a hot episode of Where It Went podcast in both temperature and content. Uh, you like that? It's it's, un, it's November. Um, I'm in Orange County, California, home of, well, where Farside was based from when they were a functional band. And I got to tell you, it's warm today. I'm cleaning out the garage. I'm doing some work and I'm sweating here, man. It's another but, sunny day. Yeah, it's a, it is another sunny day. Uh, and, but the warmth hit me really, really hard. Um, and also it's a hot, it's a hot episode because any chance that we get to talk to today's guests, it's a good time. Yeah. Can you really say that? Because only I was there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say no, any chance we get to talk to these guys. We don't miss it except this time. Uh, no, I didn't say it. I, mean, I, uh, I felt the FOMO. I felt that FOMO. Yeah, Dude, I, I just honestly, not they're talking just, to the, they're just, the far I side. love, you know, this conversation, it was great. And, and uh, Jason, you know, well, I don't, I know Javi listened to the interview. You had a chance to listen, like getting the insights behind the songs and having, you know, them just bounce off of each other. It was really, it was really fun. I'm um, currently reading. I was gifted for my birthday and I started reading the Anthony Kiedis autobiography, Scar Tissue. Listen, I'm going to, th- this might not surprise people given my proclivities. I'm a pepper man. <laughs> I am shocked. I am too. It's I like the peps. Okay, <laughs> I'm a pepper man. This book, it's interesting. It's cool. I read it years. Got, I mean, it's got some. It's got a lot of maybe a little bit more uh, description of his sexual exploits than I would have cared for sometimes. But what I enjoyed about listening, about reading about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and about Far Side is that they were friends. Not always. Of course, they had their ups and downs and they had their fights and they had their disagreements. But Anthony Kiedis and Flea were fucking friends. They were buds. They bonded and they had silly times and they joked and they wrote music. And I feel that from when I listen to Farside interviews. Those Popeye is genuinely... Like they're making him laugh. Kevin and Bob are are really when they crack jokes. You can tell that Kevin is a straight man, and and Popeye's the the jokester, and and the chemistry works, and it's a really fun listen. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we'll we can chat a little more about yeah uh, that uh, at at the end because I have some thoughts and I want to know your both of your thoughts on the record. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but before we get into the interview, do you think it's time to? I actually have one. Yo. Uh, and and Hav, it involves you too. Oh. Um. So, a friend of the pod, Mark Bradley. Yeah. He's doing a compilation, um, where uh, to benefit uh, Afghan uh, refugees. Um. And there's a bunch of bands on it. It's going to be a band camp thing. 
but also like a limited cassette. Um, and through uh, another city records, it's called. Um, thinking of a December, January release for physical copies and the digital should be available. Actually, well, let's see, let's, let's do the math. November 15th is uh, what the day, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll have been out. Sure. Um, and it's going to be split between two organizations. Uh, one of which is women uh, for afghanwomen.org. And another is uh, MIAAN.org, which is actually headed by a friend of Javier and myself, uh, Money from Race Trader. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this hits nice and close to home. Uh, Godhead are on here yep. on the comp. Yep. What what song is it? Did I wish you guys I could tell you. Extra? Uh, no, you know. Some of the stuff is previously. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about your what you said about compilations and how you like exclusive tracks. Because Mark had said, hey you can pick like an existing song or whatever. It doesn't matter. So some of these bands, it may be, you know, just to kind of get your foot in the door with their catalog in here. We yes. did an exclusive one. I managed to find a oh, one up nice. is on there. Uh-huh. We did uh, I found a recording of a live set and uh, we did a, we put a, a cover on there. Um, What's called, the cover? But uh, the song's called Emodium. Do you know what that is? Like this is some AD? real deep. This is some deep shit. Like Emodium AD. The, the well, the not Emodium AD. Uh, oh, that's the name. Isn't wait. What is the name? Is Emodium AD is the name of the medicine, right? Yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's called Emodium. It's a live cover. Jason, come on. This is some real deep nerd shit. I, I is it to, is it an Eric Strip song? No. Uh, <laughs> it's it's. I I thought I was being coy. Sloan for two hundred. No, it's uh it's. Breed by Nirvana, but the demo title was Emodium. Oh, interesting. Ah, uh, um, okay. Because it was named after uh, the medicine that Tad Doyle, when they went on tour with Tad in Europe in like late 89, Tad Doyle, you know, from the band Tad, he's a pretty large man and he had yeah. all these intestinal issues. And apparently him and Kurt Cobain would just take turns like vomiting because, you know, he had all those stomach problems and it was called Emodium. But yeah, we found a live recording of that. It sounded half decent. And I thought, cause like I literally had Javier's like Javier's uh, voice in my head, like about exclusive stuff. And I was like, I don't just want to like put something random on here. I think it'd be cool to have something like exclusive. Yeah. So good call. I found that. Yeah. I, I explained when we got asked, I explained to my band, you know, the, my position about, about comps and how I wish that we could have, an exclusive or new track, but since we are such a relatively new band and we only have one recording session under our belt, we just had to give them a song that's going to be on our EP. Uh, our the tape version of our EP is in the pressing plant currently, um, but uh, yes, we will have a song. I don't remember what it is to be honest, but they're all bangers, so it's cool. And it's a good, um, it, it, what Mark put together is a worthwhile um, charity to give to and money, longtime friend. So, and I know he's passionate about his work. So yeah, uh, it, it's something. It was that a no I, brainer. I hope, yeah, I hope people will pay attention to. Uh, 
Jason, do you have any bit of boast this week? Any well, hot? In the place of our absence, we had Ben Merlis fill in on the Farside interview. So check out him on 185 Miles South podcast if you haven't, if you're living under a rock, or check him out on End on End podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks again to Bedge. Yeah, Bedge. I, I was I texted the group chat, this group chat this morning and said that Ben's vocals sounded as crisp as Vic Dakara, aka Vajaki Shore, who we thought had the maybe the best audio that we've encountered so far on this podcast. But I believe that Ben is up there. So whatever Ben is doing. Watch, he's probably like, I just used my earbuds. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't think, I didn't see anything special. Maybe it's just yeah. like one it's of those things where when you find out the secret, it's like, could the be an ingredient is salt. He's got the golden pipes. <laughs> ah, could be. There's only one person with the golden pipes, and that's you, and we that's all know me. that. Yeah. Well, I, I honestly don't really have anything that I need to shout this week. N- nothing really comes to mind. It's been a really interesting week watching. I don't feel like a lot of bands are really active right now. There's a lot of records being announced. You got uh, the Hot Water Music thing with End Hits, right? With Brian McTurnan. Yeah, that one's... And you know what I got to say? I had very... I don't know how to say it. Like, I haven't really been into the last things the Hot Water Music has done, honestly. And I love... I know someone's like, wait, what? You're not into something? Um, I Uh, loved like Fuel for the Hate Game, No Division, produced by Walter, Um, Flight in a Crash, uh, Caution, both done by Brian. Even the last one they did before they broke up, uh, the new What Next that Brian worked on. I liked all that stuff. Um, And then they came back and it was kind of like, it did nothing for me. So I put on this song just because I'm like, I love Brian. I still love hot water music, even if I don't like, you know, the past couple records and I love end hits and the song's awesome. I was like, all right, I'm stoked on this. Like it sounds, it reminded me a lot of the spirit of some of the earlier stuff. So I I really look forward to hearing the full thing. You know, whose favorite band is hot water music? Scott Scott Vogel. Vogel. Scott Vogel. What the heck, dude? Yeah. I love it. Uh, I'm not a huge hot water music fan. Like, I wish that I was. They're a band that I wish that I was more into. But for some reason, like, maybe because their catalog is overwhelming to me. It's a little bit like, you know, it's like um, jazz or drum and bass. Like, where do I start? You have to like... I would say with with them, I I could... I'm sure I like a flight and a crash. My yeah, actually, yeah. my the the hot water music record that I like the best, the most, is the split with Alkaline Trio. That's great. That was a good split. Front to yeah. back, I, I the whole I could sit down and listen to the whole thing. I love those Alkaline Trio songs. Yeah. I love the covers of both bands, and uh, uh, I love Chuck Reagan's vocals as well. I I like his acoustic or his solo stuff, not acoustic. Okay. Stuff. Yeah, I think. My favorite, I go, I flip between No Division, Caution, which Brian did. Yeah. Um, and, but also uh, Forever and Counting. Like, whatever one of those I'm playing is probably my favorite at the time because they're all just awesome. And they're, they bring it live. Like, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're set, their sets at the fest were awesome. 
Yeah, like and even was, though I don't uh, like some of the like newer stuff that they've done, apart from you know the, here in this new song, they're always still great live. Yeah, I was gonna say I missed this interview because I was at the fest in Florida with No Man. I also got a chance to see Be Well and Strike Anywhere, and it just felt good to see your friends playing music. So get out there and go see a show when you can, when you feel safe going, because it doesn't last forever. Bands aren't around forever. We're not around forever. Mm-hmm. Not to get too deep. Yeah, got deep. I didn't Park. mean to. It just I, I missed it. I was like, I just thought, fuck, I missed this. Yeah, I had and some similar live, live music experiences in the past week or so, and I have to agree with you, Jason. So. And we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna talk. I think about all talk. the we're shows in a couple weeks. No, that's one. right. We got some. We so. got some thoughts and feelings. So because I want to wait till I get a couple more shows under. Yeah, my kick it anyway. Should we should we get into the should we get into yeah. the conversation? I think yeah, it's time it. to kick it. Can I kick it? Kick it, kick it, kick it. The song's about everybody in high school that beat me up that wants to be my friend because I'm, I'm in a cool band now. Well, we are here today, once again, with Farside. Today we have three quarters of Farside and one quarter badge. Um, and all, all badge. Yeah. I'm all and, here. <laughs> and zero quarters, Javier and Jason. They're off doing fun, fun things. Not as fun as this, though. Um, so we're here today to talk about uh, the self-titled EP, by far side revelation number 45 um i'm holding the the seven inch vinyl version has four tracks the cd that the bedge the cd collector has has two extra tracks too oh, and, extra, cool. and we realized some extra an extra photograph and some other cool stuff but i guess first um bob kevin popeye thank you again for coming on Thank you for having us. Um, And it's always a pleasure. Um, So I was trying to think, you know, this is one of these records where when I mention it, and even myself, I feel like in the pantheon of far side, I kind of forget about it. And then I put it on. I'm like, holy shit, why do I not listen to this just as much as I play rigged and, and, uh, you know, Monroe doctrine. Um, and, you know, even when I reached out to Jordan, he was like, yeah, it's kind of one of the, uh, it's like the unsung, you know, kind of like an unsung gem. Um, you guys yeah. did rigged in 94, went on, did a lot of touring. <clears throat> I guess kind of walk us through like what, what was, like what, what was the genesis behind doing this? Were you like, hey, we got to do an EP or were you originally going to do a full length? soon after and decided to just do an ep um i think we just wanted answer, to do an ep yeah okay yeah <laughs> before we answer i as greg as you as you were singing the praises of this record i saw bob kind of smirking and i saw popeye smiling 
Are we all in agreement that we don't like this record? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, okay. Would you say it's? Uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. I know. I was oh, laughing because I know what Pop was thinking. That's why I was. Oh, laughing. okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, because he and I have had this conversation privately. <laughs> but I, yeah, was, I think there's, was a, I think there's a reason that. why. <clears throat> yeah, I think there's a reason why it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because I don't think it was any of our favorite <laughs> records either. I've never been able to figure out why. Um, but it just, yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know what, but I want to know your thoughts, Bob. Well, they're not very deep <clears throat> as usual. <laughs> when I think, when I, I don't know, I, when I think about any one of the songs, which I couldn't name right now, <laughs> yeah, I, I like them except for, you know, there's a couple parts on it, not any, any given song that are not great with me, but. And I've made fun of those people in those certain songs, <laughs> Kevin. You know, what I'm, <laughs> yep. but uh, but that, that's uh, that, that doesn't matter. But no, I I you're you're saying recently that you didn't really care for it, and I, that was kind of news to me. I was I was like, I like them. What's what's the problem? But I want to yeah. say, I want to say we, I think we, once we recorded them, I think we ran out of steam. We're like, well, should should we just put out a a seven inch is that what you guys think or no or is it was that the intention I, I don't remember i don't think we were working on an album I, I think we were just gonna do i think we just thought all right we've we've done two albums let's do an ep and that's those were just the next batch of songs that we came up I with i think that's all we had was was we had yeah. those songs i think and that's all we, we thought had. rather than and, and this i think was the mistake rather than continuing to write and doing a second album a little later we just thought well let's rush these out because they're good songs and it's enough for a seven inch and seven inches are are cool um yeah i think you're right on that one but uh, I, I think right. so i think that's what think don't you like about them guys explain well i go ahead was no, that uh, <laughs> <laughs> no and i and i listened to it a couple times recently and I again, I cannot put a finger on. It. It's like, why don't I like this? So the, the production's good. I think the songs are good. I think we played well. Uh, I I just don't. I don't know. It's just not one of my favorites. Maybe it was just. Uh, maybe it was just more difficult to do. Maybe it's more difficult to do an EP because you've only got a few songs. Whereas if you do a full album's worth of music, they're not all going to be gems. There's going to be a few like skippers. And I, I think when you when you condense it down to an EP, none of those songs should be skippers. And I was like, eh, yeah. not that they're not good songs, but they're not amazing songs. I don't know. That's the best I can figure. And I will say, probably not the best idea to start the song with 12, 24, 91. Like, hey, everybody, here's a real downer to kick this <laughs> off. Well, that yeah. was what that was going to be my <laughs> questioning when i when you said you didn't like it i was going to say is the lyrical content kind of like heavy and just sort of like a, a down because i mean th yeah that first song is not like it's not a peppy <laughs> i'm not going to get you up in the morning but no. <laughs> no 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 we should yeah it, i don't it's it's not like it it's not like it bums me out if i think about it or anything but um no, we we probably should have started it with Lollapalooza or Knox, um, and then maybe buried that one a little bit deeper. I can't answer why we 
agreed to put that song first because it yeah it doesn't exactly doesn't exactly kick you in the pants <laughs> i want to know 12 the twelve twenty four ninety one. what happened to you popeye on december 24th 1991 what walk uh, us through that day i i found out that uh well uh my my parents divorced my dad left when when i was uh when i was 12 um and then eventually got remarried I didn't find out until many, many years later that he had been having an extramarital affair with this woman that he ended up marrying. Um, so yeah, it was Christmas Eve. I was hanging out with my sister. It was late. We were just, just kind of getting into some deep stuff. And somehow our dad came up and, and she's like, Oh, you didn't know you'd been cheating on mom for all these years. I'm like, Nope. (laughs) Wasn't privy to that information. I remember asking him about it and he, because at that point I was I was 21 years old, so I wasn't a kid anymore. I remember asking him point blank, and he totally lied to me about it. And so it was like, hmm, maybe I'll write a song because I don't know what else to do with myself. I so, remember I used yeah. to um, I used to call you every Christmas and ask, "What'd you get? What'd you get?" <laughs> and I think if I had called you, if I we'd been in a band together in '91, if I had called you, that probably that's probably that probably wouldn't have been a fun call. Probably not. Not so much. No. no. But uh, well, anyway, you know, you, 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 if if you're lucky enough, you can find a place to to channel that energy and channel those emotions, and you know, move on from it. And I probably still had a really good Christmas because I typically do with my family. So, did you write the song uh, right away, or did you wait four years and then write it before just before the CP came out? I wrote it. I I think I remember writing it pretty quickly. I used to be really big into like like journaling. And then that's where like song ideas and lyrics would come from. So I probably, probably a couple of days later at least, cause I wanted to open my presents and have a nice time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably just started like jotting things down and just, and then going back and seeing what I could come up with. And um, yeah, I think, I, I think it happened pretty quickly. But you held it. You didn't put it on Rochambeau. You didn't put it on rig. You held it. Oh, well that, well it, that came after, Rochambeau and Rig had come out. Um, the music did. Oh, wait. No, I'm thinking. Yeah, 91. 24-91. I always get 24 and 21 switched. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I must have. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I take back everything I just said. <laughs> what am I thinking? <laughs> I barely started drinking. I don't know what's going on. I had I had brunch. I had my vitamins. I feel good. Um <laughs> Shoot, yeah. Uh, no, you're right, Ben. I, 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 I must have done that. God, no, I can't put it together. Maybe it was a song that I did write and then just never brought to the table. Gosh. or But I, I know that I've done that also where I've jotted down ideas and then forgot about them. And then years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, remember that? So. Uh, in other words, that's the lamest answer uh, I could possibly give you about this. I could tell you what the song's about. Anything else? Uh, I just I, <clears throat> the one maybe, no shame maybe, maybe let one of the other guys. Yeah. Maybe well, yeah, I should just say I don't remember. Let one of the other guys give an intelligent answer for something. <laughs> the one benefit so. of having a date for the um, song is that it seems like I feel like every Christmas Eve. I'll see a couple posts on the uh, old social media with the YouTube link to this song. 
you know, because, because like, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's twelve twenty four. Yeah. Well, it clear. Well, having the having the date as the song title clearly doesn't doesn't help me remember <laughs> when I fucking wrote the damn song. So. <laughs> But I love too that like in the in the layout uh, for this, the um, it's like you got this like heavy these heavy lyrics, but there's still you guys in it with the whole like I like arrows, (laughs) I also like parentheses, title, you know, (laughs) ignore this little blotch like that's cool um, to add a little (laughs) bit of like humor to something that's pretty serious. Like you know when I read these, I was like, oh wow. You know, I, I like I kind of had a feeling that what you said that that was what it was. You know, something along those lines about uh, you know parental discord or or what have you. Shenanigans. Some what? What'd you say, Kevin? Parental shenanigans. 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 Oh yeah. 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 Tom horseplay, all that sort of stuff. Hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. So actually, before I move yeah. the the layout. Is it your handwriting? Like the actual, like Kevin is yours. Um, you wrote the hand, the lyrics for yeah. your songs and then Popeye did his. Yeah. That's super. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have it, to I say the, a... the penmanship award goes to Popeye. I'm sorry, Kevin. I had a. Popeye has very distinct handwriting. and I, I know, think I'm it's awful. Uh, God, Kevin, yours was always brilliant. I, I was, I always admired yours. They're well, both thanks. better than mine. Well, though, yeah, so. and you, well, no, I could, I could, yeah, and you, and you doodle way better than I do. And that, yes. that, the logo is, that's is for sure. Yeah. We talked about the first track. So we were saying, since this is like a shorter record, we'll maybe just go through each track briefly. Lollapalooza, this is a, a Kevin uh, song. What's the significance of that title? Everybody's wondering. I think if I remember correctly, that was written after um, Popeye Bob, keep me, keep me honest here. Was it the, was it the, the 93 summer or 94 summer tour where we played in Jersey and we had the day off and Zach had the day off and, and Rage yeah. was playing Lollapalooza. And so he got us in it. 93. So we had like, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. well, that would have been the year they played 93. Okay. So we had like all access badges. It was very rock and roll. And so we were, we, you know, we had the, the run of the place and and you know, met uh well, we didn't meet. We we stood next to Joan Jett and uh Alice and Chains and Dinosaur Jr. and all those, all those people. And and while it was a lot of fun, um it, it there was just something uh, for me at least, and I'm speaking strictly for myself. There was just something icky about it. Um, and the thing that stuck out to me was watching Rage, and I think they played on like the the side stage, and I think Tool played as well. I think and it was like early yep. on. Anyway, big big crowd, and they're all jumping up and down and stage diving and all that punk shit and. And, and it just occurred to me, just, just looking at this crowd, like they have no idea what any of these songs are about. What they're hearing is, yeah. fuck you, don't tell me, or whatever it is. Fuck you, don't, I don't know the words. Fuck you, I, I won't listen to you or something, right? I won't do what you tell me, yeah. <laughs> don't do what you tell me, right? I like Clearly, I'm a big fan. To you. Yeah. I like whatever fuck you, I won't listen to you. I won't right. listen to you. Right, right. 
It's 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 what all the the the, uh, the QAnon people say now. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but that really struck me as like you're you're playing to this huge audience of people that just don't give a shit. All they want to do is just fucking rock and roll, <coughs> party and have a good time. And I hated everything about that. Um, and I hated the fact that it was this sea of like meatheads um, that, you know, had it been three years ago, three years prior, would have just been like taunting me and trying to kick my ass because this music is, it's gay, it's, it's arty, it's stupid, whatever that, you know, they, they would throw at you. But now the like, Nirvana explodes and suddenly like everybody's into it. And I hated that. I hated the fact that these people were invading my safe space. Um, yep. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer. And, and I, I don't really care how juvenile this sounds that, that there's a, a need for spaces like that. Not just when you're like a kid, but just in general places where you can go to be with like-minded people and feel like it's okay to be who you are. And, and the, the punk scene and the hardcore scene, and to an extent, the metal scene were all like that for me. It was, I'm a weirdo. I'm going with these other weirdos. I can be a weirdo and it's great. And then I got to go back to school and it sucks, but then I can go be a weirdo again. And that was like, these people took that away. And, uh, and I just, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And so yeah. anyway, that's, that's what that fun ass song is about. Yeah. You are, you are, you are dead on you asked. Bob and I did keep you in check. That is exactly the conversations that I remember having with you all those years ago. Um, yeah, because I because I felt the same way. I I felt so out of place and completely disconnected from all of that. Uh, uh, Bob, I remember you were were more into it, and I admit it. I had a blast because there was like unlimited Snapple <laughs> and Hershey bars everywhere. Yep. And and we and we would we would steal the production carts and go drive out into the uh, woods yeah. and just go screw around. So yeah, I, I won't say that it was that it wasn't fun, but there was that <laughs> element of God, you guys are all fucking newbies. Like it, like it just and 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 at the same time, it, it made me. I don't know about you, Kevin, but it it made me just kind of feel in a way kind of like an elitist because I wanted everybody to because because on the one hand. You want everybody to get what you're into, but at the same time, there's only so many tribal tattoos you want to see, like all at once. And dudes who, like you said, would would make fun of you like two, three years ago, and suddenly they're like, "Oh man!" See, I, I, I feel where you're not wanting to go. Both of you, like, yeah, lot. I remember. I, like, I admit, I didn't go? want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to go. I was kind of angry. I was like, "What? Yeah, we're going. <laughs> you two are yeah. going." We, yeah, we voted. At that point, I didn't really care. I didn't care. I, I already knew those people were gonna, you know, gonna be there, and that wasn't stopping me. Like, oh, I, yeah, I remember, you guys, you no, we're not gonna go. We're gonna go like see a museum. I'm like, okay, we're gonna go. Yeah. Just, yep. You and Chu had, had, had a ton of fun. But yeah, then it, it was yeah, a ton of fun. But you and Chu had a much better time because you were like, I know you guys were like, Pop, Kevin, could you just fucking get over it and try to enjoy? It? <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of knew that, that. You know, I just kind of knew how Lollapalooza was already. It didn't buy. I don't think Kevin knew that. Maybe then I don't know. Have Kevin, you ever been to one before that? 
No, 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 I wasn't. I mean, I, there was, there was a, a period in my life where if like, if a band had been on an independent label and then signed to a major label, it didn't matter how good the major label record was. I was done with them. Yeah. Um, it was just yeah. this, a lot of yeah. people were, yeah. I mean, that wasn't, sure. and, and even when you were talking about this song, I was like, I know that that, that was a, an issue for a lot of people because you know, like you said, this was once a safe space for me. And now the people that would like push me into the locker are here, you know, slam dancing. Um, and it's also like, they don't, they don't know about like the punk scene. Like they don't know that Zach came from like where, where we came from. And, you know, and, and I know some of the bands had a tough time with that transition. Like, you know, I've read so many books about, you know, Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. And I know he had a real hard time with, you know, realizing that like, man, the people that used to like beat me up in high school are now buying my records and yeah. slam dancing right. and stuff. And, you know, Rage Against the Machine. I remember there was that antimatter interview that Norman Brannon did with Zach. And Norman was kind of challenging him a bit. And he's like, you know, you have these shirts that say like the um what is it? Power stems from the the barrel of a gun. I'm butchering her. You know, it uh it's the edge, help me out. You're smart. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know the quote? I'm not, anyway, I'm not as smart as I look. And I think I said, fuck you, I won't going, tell Rick. me what to do. And I'm not listening to you. <laughs> That's right. Quit talking to me. I am no longer uh, paying attention. Um, he like basically said to Zach, like, you know, you realize that like with the crowd you guys are attracting now, like there's going to be just like frat dudes wearing this that just have no idea that it's like a mouth, say, young... Uh, and for, forgive me if that's not who it is uh, quote and then Zach was like no I think they know I think they're gonna look it up and stuff and it's like I don't know man I think I think you're giving huh. people too much credit um, <laughs> you know just stuff like that like because it was like super normal people kind of getting into it I'm gonna play um, devil's advocate because I've thought about this and I've been accused of this a lot um, wouldn't someone an outsider say Kevin you're being elitist. You're saying this music isn't for everyone. It's only for you and your people. And that is, that's dinks of elitism. What would your response to that be? My response would be, you're probably right. Okay. All right. And, and it doesn't really bother me. Okay. The, 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 the normals, right. We'll call them the normals. They have, they've got their scene. They've got their Metallicas. They've got their Alice in Chains. They've got all of that. They don't need to come in to where the rest of us who have been pushed aside and are outcasts or been made outcasts, I should say, and try and invade the sanctuary. And and like I said, I mean, I I understand how juvenile it sounds because it does sound very, very elitist. And Papa, you said that at the time you, you, you were aware of how elitist it was. I wasn't. and, And I wasn't thinking that way. Um, I think now at, at the, the ripe old age of 645, I would probably have a, a different take on it. But at the time, um, I, I'm, if, if, if it were 94 or whatever, then, and you asked me that, I'd just kind of shrug and say, yeah, so what? Like, what am I taking away from, from you know, frat, frat boy Joe's life? 
nothing. Like, oh no, you can't go see Jawbreaker. Fuck, like, who gives a shit? I can, you go see whoever. I don't know who was big back then. Um, you go do your thing. We'll do ours. Let's leave each other alone and let us have, just let us have this little, little thing and let it be ours. And we don't need you guys. Like right. I said, I mean, I, I don't know that I feel that way now, but that's, that's how I feel. Then. And so what bit with band, like, I don't, were you ever a shutter to think fan? I'm just using yes. them as an example. Okay. Yeah. So super duper, duper weird band. They signed yeah. to Sony in 94. They put out a super duper weird record. They yeah. do not get any less weird. They don't. In fact, I think to, it's more weird. It's more weird. Than the stuff on yes. this. Yeah, maybe. So Still they don't try great. to. Are you talking about 50,000? No, the one before uh, it. Pony Express. Express. Yeah, but, Pony Express. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So, so um, like, they're not trying to, you know, water down their sound to be radio friendly. And so when you hear a record like that, are you like, ah, maybe frat kids will like it because it's on Sony, so fuck Shudder to Think? Or like, what, were, what are your thoughts on like something like that, for example? I love that record. I, I think that yeah. record is, is unbelievable. It was so confusing to me that, <laughs> that they were signed to a major label. And then the, the video for um, the, the X, I think it's X French T-shirt. Is that yeah. yeah. Just an amazing song. Um, and such a weird video with, with the, you know, uh, the, the, the elevators and stuff. And it was just, and, and, and so I, I guess my thought was, why does this video need to exist? Like I couldn't picture any farmer's daughter in Kansas seeing the Shutter to Think video and going, shit, that's awesome. I'm probably <laughs> wrong. I mean, we all got into punk rock via some mechanism um mine was i saw i saw the film um another state of mind on um do you guys remember a show called night flight night flight yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that I was my introduction it. yeah so i mean like i said i i know that it's it's a it's a or maybe i didn't say it. i know it's a narrow shitty kind of way to look at things logically it's not it's not cool um but again at the time and bob and popeye can attest to this there was no logic happening with kevin murphy it was all <laughs> raging emotion mostly anger but you were also um, a, a young you know you got to keep in mind you're also what a 21 22 year old person like, i was in my 40s back then but yeah <laughs> well if you're 625 now then yeah maybe you were 400 but still i was like 580 like, or something yeah. i don't i don't think that that like i, I guarantee you there's people that are going to listen to this and they're going to be like i felt the exact same way i mean i have sure. i i have friends who when i would bring up records like the shutter to think uh, i i stopped when they left discord and I'm like, oh, no, you, you got to listen, because that's really how it yeah. was. It, oh, they, they signed a major. I'm done with them. I was just, I think, at the age when I got into this stuff where that wasn't as big of a deal, because that's how I got. Like, if certain bands hadn't been on a major label, I wouldn't have heard them. Mm. But people that are yeah. a few years my senior that, you know, we're going to see them at small places and stuff. They 
uh, you know, stop. So it's, it's not, this isn't like a unique opinion. Like I can guarantee there's going to be a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, I was the same way. Maybe they even still are. I don't know. Now I think it doesn't matter as much. It doesn't matter. Anymore. Like I feel like, I like young yeah. kids into hardcore, like they, and it's a good thing to do. I feel like they like a lot more kinds of, they're more open about what they like. They'll like like pop music and they'll like, you know, but they'll also like, you know, hardcore bands and they'll like, you know, just all kinds of different stuff. Like it's, it wasn't like that when I got into punk, it was like, you kind of just like everything else went out the window. Oh, totally. And it's just, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Well, the first punk bands I got into were on major labels too. The Sex Pistols, The Clash and The Ramones. And it's almost like it didn't matter Great then point. it did matter. And now it doesn't matter anymore if you're on a major I, I label. Was hoping, I was hoping <laughs> to jump in and say something similar. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I want to be clear. It wasn't, I, I know I said that, you know, that, that if a band had signed a major, I was done with them. I mean, that, but that's not 100% true. That's, that's, that's sort of a, a, a generalization. But I think, I think the thing that, that really informed the song was um, I, I grew up in, in um, a small town in, in Tennessee, just outside of Memphis. And I moved to California in late 1987. And so my experience in, in, in Tennessee up to moving, like going through high school and everything was very bad. It wasn't, it wasn't a great high school experience. Um, there was a lot of fights uh, there was a lot of like, you know, getting beat up and, and it was always because of the, the long hair or the Slayer t-shirt or whatever was just weird. Right. Um, and I like to think that now I'm, I'm the kind of person that can, you know, for, forget and forget and, and get over things. But at the time, seeing it wasn't really a major label thing it was it was who was coming to the show um and seeing you know being at a show and like going oh those guys are here it was it was almost like i don't want to say i was afraid but there was like a gut reaction that like oh those fuckers have shown up great now they're here which used to be where where i would go and get away and now where do i go to get away um Again, not it's it's not super defensible. Um, it's it's a very gut reaction. Uh, I'm 21, 22 years old, and I think I I know how the world works. Kind of way of thinking, um, you know. I see. I anyway, think it is. I think it is def- like I think it's def- defensible. Like I think it's it's a totally valid feeling to have especially at that point um because like in the early 90s you know stuff got crazy like 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 a band like shudder to think would not have been able like in 1988 no one would have thought that they would have been on a major label you know or or any i mean any of this stuff and it it just it seems like at, at this point was when there was a real line in the sand i think too uh, between a major label and independent. You had, you know, a lot of the fanzines and the Maximum Rock and Roll had all those, you know, articles about the evil of major labels. And, you know, you had Heart Attack that wouldn't even, you know, 
that was went even a step further. It was like, if there's a barcode on it, we're not going to review it. Yeah. Um, and I just right. can't, like, that's not going to happen now, but it's a point in time. And, you know, that's what a record is really, right? It's like a journal of a point in time yeah. and yeah. it's cemented there forever. And just your journal entry just happens to have music set to it that anybody can hear at any point now. And you were the only band on on Rev. Well, one of the only bands on Rev in that early to mid '90s era that didn't sign to a major label. You know, almost every other band that was putting out records on Rev in '92, three, four was on majors '95, six, seven. So I guess so. Into another quicksand, orange, orange nine millimeter, shades apart, sieve. Yeah. Uh, Texas is Texas is the reason broke up the minute before signing no major, but they were going to. Yeah. Um, you guys in Game Face, Sensefield, yeah, yeah. sign no major, yeah. yeah. Slipknot, they got huge. <laughs> they <are> really huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I it's, did. Uh, I did. I did enjoy your episode with with Slipknot because they were always a very mysterious, right? Revelation, and we got all three like, of them. I was like, yeah, that was. I love that was that really record too. That's a great record. <laughs> it is a good record. Yeah. Super underrated. This is our little plug. Go back and listen to episode zero one three on the Slipknot seven inch. Uh, if you're new to the show, it was a cool conversation. Should we talk? Ask talk about turnip. Yes, what, but be, yes, but be, but before we do that, one thing I want to just more for for Kevin and Bob. Do you guys remember that we we saw Rabies was working yes. security backstage? Yeah, and we yeah. all avoided him because apparently Warzone wanted to go on tour with us, and we were like, we don't want to go on tour with him. That's I don't remember that. Really? Yeah, cause, yeah, because because uh, Stormy Shepherd was still booking us at the time. And she said, yeah, Rabies from Warzone called me and they wanted to set up a tour. And, I, and I'm and i like, I don't know how to respond. To, to wow, that. That, doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like a very good pairing. And I remember I remember talking to you guys who were like, do we want to do this? I don't think it's a great. I mean, not that I have any disrespect for Warzone, but totally not our yeah. crowd. And we were like, yeah. But then I think we just kind of we probably just made it up in our heads that Rabies was going to come beat us all up if you, if we ever crossed paths with him. Was that Lollapalooza? That's where he yeah, was. Yeah, he was yeah. he was working backstage. He's a pretty recognizable guy. And we were like, oh shit, that's real. Yeah. As as if he would know who the hell we were. Like he I'm sure he <laughs> wouldn't recognize us. But I remember we kind of gave it a wide berth if we had to go in his direction and like kind of put our heads down a little bit. Well it's probably a good thing we didn't tour with Warzone because then we wouldn't have been able to to play 12 shows in a row with Engine Kid, which you know Nothing weird about that. <laughs> Nothing weird about that. Yo, engine kid. Engine <laughs> but did kid not, did we not have a did we not have a great time with those guys? It was, oh, with engine kid. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. Awesome. I Love think Kevin wanted to join Engine Kid. I did. I, I did. I actually asked Greg if if they needed a second guitar player. Aren't, for aren't they really really, the really tour, good? Wasn't like, be doing anything. that was one of the ones you know when we started the podcast. There were a couple of the bands that I wasn't too familiar with. Um, you know, I knew Farside. I knew, obviously, Gorilla Biscuits and, and all that. But Engine Kid had no idea. Came to absolutely love them. I think they're fantastic. Um, and same thing with Iceburn. And that was the cool thing about this time period is all these different, like we talked with Whirlpool, and I think they did shows with um, Engine Kid and... 
I forget who else. In fact, I see in, in here, you guys did Dates with Shades Apart, another great band. Um, yeah. So Very it's like, band. just, I bring it up often, but it just seems like such a, it was just such a fun time, an exciting time to be a fan. And I'm sure to be playing in a band uh, that got to do all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. But, but, but you don't, you don't know that anything that you're doing is remotely going to be significant. You're just having a good time. Like it, like, yeah, I don't think we, I don't think any of us ever took a step back and thought, wow, man, 25 years from now, we're going to be doing like interviews and stuff about stuff. And we're like, no, we were just, we we're just right. like, oh yeah, these are cool guys. And they're, and they're good <laughs> yeah. Guys. yeah, let's go out and let's go out and live our lives. And I mean, the thing with Andrew's kid was I, I knew who they were because I had the, the bear catching fish record. But I was more excited that that um, that I was going to see Greg because I had met Greg um, when Head First went up to Washington years and years ago, and I, and I think he was he was still in Brotherhood at the time. And then he moved down to San Diego and played with Amenity for a while. So I, I you know, I, I was friendly with him. So that that was what was exciting for me. And same with Shades Apart. Like I knew who they were. I, I liked them. But man, the best part about playing with them was just how funny all of them were. And it was hilarious. Just, I just wanted to hang out with them. But like the drummer, uh, Ed. Ed. Oh, he's great. He, we had all <laughs> he three was of them. So <laughs> funny. Yeah. And he's got, a, he's got one thing I'll say with Ed. He had the sharpest memory. Like when I had the questions, yeah. he could remember like what year and what, oh yeah, this show and we did with this, which was super cool. But yeah, they were, they're a band that just, you can kind of tell when when there's a band that has still, you know, it's just they were the same three guys the whole time. Yeah, and um, they just have this this bond. Um, but it was easy uh, top of punk. Yeah, <laughs> and and like you said, the engine kid. I mean, like we got to talk to all three of those guys from the Angel Wings lineup. Um, and that record's great. Like this was this was a super underrated time for rev the 93 to 90 you know five or 96 there's a lot of awesome stuff and one of the things i like about doing this is we do get people to like go back and i have a lot of people message oh, i never checked out that at the time and now i'm listening you know i'm really into it so i feel like we're doing uh we're doing the lord's work as they say you're doing a do community service say, yeah but um <laughs> Enough about me. Turn it. <laughs> this is another, Bob. This is another uh, Kevin composition. What's the significance? Bob, should... Bob, we Bob, we just need to get it out of the way, man. We just need to get it out of the way. Why? Why? <laughs> what? You know, you know that when it's, we're it's in the vocals. studio, you... yeah. yeah. There no, was just a, a, a yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I think I was just bored. There's there's no one to pick on. I think that was Kevin's turn. <laughs> you know, when you go in the studio and then you listen back to the track eight thousand times, and then you know, just that one lyric just got to me, and I just couldn't resist. And yeah, I did, I, sorry, Kev. I don't know. There was this time the opening lyric. Is that the same song we're talking about? Yeah, oh, there, there was, was this voice. This voice. Maybe because it just comes right after the like the intro drum beat, and I was like, I liked it, and then Kevin ruined it with his lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
I just, I don't know. It just, it just bugged me for a long time. And I finally said it while we're in the studio listening. Kevin, I got really bummed out. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta break up the monotony. You get, you get a little chippy once in a while. I think it's a great song too, but I, but I do remember that. And, uh, I, I just, I'm just going to elaborate because I'm, because just, a just again, it just like Bob just in the most mockingly way <laughs> when we were listening to the playback, <laughs> Bob just went, there was this voice. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'm certain that it did not help matters that I just started bursting out laughing uncontrollably. And poor Kevin was like, <laughs> not, not happy. And then of course we felt really, we felt really bad. We're like, come on, dude. Like, yeah, but the rest of the song, I love that one thing. We're, we're just screwing around. <laughs> we're just screwing. But and I like that song. Know, you're, I really you're do. Pouring your heart out, and then you got a you got a I couple know. of yahoos who are just as if none of us has ever been the been the butt of a joke. But yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. That, was that is something that Bob and I have 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 laughed about over the years. No disrespect to you, Kevin. It's a great song, Bob. Your your drumming is incredible. You mentioned the intro. I just want to take this opportunity uh-huh. publicly. And I remember you would talk about how tired you would get playing that song, especially that drum roll at the end that goes on. I'm very good at that. That, It sounds probably normal to a lot of other drummers, but that took a lot out of me. Oh, yeah. I I remember like when we we would play it, your facial expression would (laughs) gradually change. Like you'd start off being kind of cool. And as it got towards the end, you you were like shaking uncontrollably, like you just wanted to pass yeah. out, like yeah, you were totally it, out of breath. It hurt, it definitely hurt. Yeah. I wasn't in good enough shape to do that. Did these and songs, if you stay listen back, it's totally movie. not crazy drumming, but to me, it was hard. Sorry about that. I was saying, uh, did these songs stay in the set after a while? Like, I know you said, not this one, not this one, no, yeah, they wouldn't allow no. it. I wanted to play it, or I was, hey, they not, we're not playing, or that I, I had no say. Let's play this. <laughs> there's two reasons that i didn't want to play it live the first one is i didn't like the song and the the second is i couldn't play the guitar parts and sing at the same time that Mm. was absolutely a studio song yeah because it's doing that sort of that that really sort of like one note off and it's supposed to be sort of discordant sounding and and i yeah and i couldn't play it so i i wasn't going to offer yeah (laughs) So not, not good. Not that good. What's the significance? <laughs> well, Turnip, what's the significance of that title? Is there a story behind that? Yes. I feel um, like George, I feel like Jordan told me there's a story and he didn't elaborate. So uh, I figured it on behalf of Jordan, I would ask. Could be. All right. Okay. <laughs> so at the time I was married to a person whose last name was Turner. And she had, I, I, I was going to say, been on my case. Maybe that's a bad. She really wanted me to write a song about something that wasn't a big downer. And so, and, and she was very sad that I had never written a song about her. So this was my attempt to write a sweet love song. And I was never happy with the lyrics. Um, I was never happy with, with the vocals. Um, 
And so I think part of why, why I was bummed when, when Bob was, was poking fun at me was I knew they weren't good. Um, but this part of, part of the reason I don't like this record is I feel like everything was kind of rushed. Like if we had just waited another three months, I think, I think the songs would have turned out better. Um, but this one in particular, there wasn't a lot of work shedding going on. It was first draft of the lyrics. Um, I mean, I, I, the, the, the harmony or melody or whatever was written while I would like drive around in my car listening to like a, a practice cassette tape, you know, because like a cassette recording, the bus recording. It's not the best way to do it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what the song is about. Um, and, and Turnip was just like a, a, a silly nickname. And, you know, the, the marriage didn't last. So I don't really have fond memories of the, the song. And it felt very forced. It felt, felt almost like I was being sort of like pushed to write something that I'm just not, I'm not good at. I'm not, uh, I'm not mushy. I'm, uh, I, I mean, I'll say it again. My, my emotions are, are mainly uh, anger and, and frustration and disgust. And I'm not uh, a particularly fuzzy person. And so I hate that song. I fucking hate Mark that song. I, I love the drums. The drums, the drums are incredible. I was so happy with the drums. I love Popeye's guitar work. And I was happy with, 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 with my guitar work as well. It's the only time I've ever recorded a song. Um, uh, this is getting dorky, but it's the only time I ever recorded a song using the single coil pickup instead of the humbucker. So I was using the neck one because I wanted that sort of Hendrixy kind of sound. And I think it was right after oh, I yeah. bought the Telecaster. And I was really excited that I was going to have this wider range on the guitar. So I did the song using that, knowing that it would sound different um, than, than the rest of the songs. Other than that, though, I just I, I, I don't like that song. And we never played it live and I was never sad about it. Really? Yeah. Never? I don't think we played it live, did we? I know we, we practiced and practiced and practiced. And then I, I feel like once we started playing shows after recording that, it was it was sort of like uh, um, the song on Rigged, um, Wait for Monday. Maybe we played it a yeah. couple times, but it just sort of some songs fell out just of the didn't catalog. work. Or like yeah. the slow dance on the Monroe Doctrine. It was like right. we played it a couple times and was like, that's god awful. Let's never try to play that live again. <laughs> I don't know. That's, yeah. Oh, it was god awful. Well, my <laughs> stupid yeah. comment had nothing to do with what the lyrics were about. Oh, just, I know. I know. You know it was my so. craft work vocals. I, yeah. which, <laughs> like, <laughs> me. I know who am I this? Who am I to knock anyone's vocals? They can barely speak. <laughs> so nah. I appreciate sometimes, the uh, sometimes, some, sometimes uh, jokey comments can can go the wrong way. It's not like Kevin threatened to quit the band or anything. He was just like <laughs> and just well, stormed off for a few minutes. And then he came back. And we were like, yeah, okay, sorry, dude. It's a good song. Don't worry about well, especially you given know. what he talked about, but also when you know, like he's you know Kevin saying, I knew this wasn't my best work, and it's almost like when someone's pointing that out even jokingly that can always sting you know like sure. you know you didn't you know you didn't put forth maybe your best effort and somebody is inadvertently calling you on it even though they don't think they are you know it's just, it can be a bummer but yeah um i appreciate track. the uh wait before uh, that yes, i like the 
the hardcore kid Freudian slip that Kevin made when he said this song didn't get, there was no work shedding done on this song instead of wood shedding. He said work shed. We didn't work shed this song. I like that. I did, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, wow. Be the boat of work shed records. I always say you're the splitting image of so-and-so and people are like it's spitting image. I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Excel. split image. Right. There's a certain hardcore Freudian slips. Yeah. <laughs> Good year. I, I didn't... If there, if there's something I can, I could expand on a little bit with what Kevin said, like when you felt that we were, that we kind of rushed in. Um, I, I felt that way too. I don't feel like we didn't practice the songs enough, but I feel like, I don't remember who was it who made a suggestion. It may not have even been one of us, but we had, you know, we had kind of recently come back from uh, our second U.S. tour and and then or an, and another tour. And then somebody said, yeah, this is the t- this is the time to go into the studio because you guys have been playing together like almost every night. This is the time. Go in the studio now. And Kev, so you, were, it, you were referencing you. Is that? I well, I I think that was me because I think I I, I remember feeling fairly self-impressed with with <laughs> us at the end of that tour because I remember thinking we we really played well most nights, and I but I clearly remember going into the studio and and telling you guys and giving Jim direction, which I never gave Jim direction, but I I, I remember clearly saying. I want I want this record to be as close to a live recording as possible. So I don't want to do a lot of overdubs. Um, I, I prefer that we play as a band, and and if we can get the full recording that way, great. And if we have to go back and patch some some things in, like we did with Knox, but we'll get to that. Um, and because I remember thinking, um, we're we're not a bad live band, and maybe we should capture this and put it on record. And so I, I think when I say that we weren't ready, I think what I'm saying is we didn't, I don't think we, I keep saying we, I don't think I put a lot of effort into polishing it up. And I can, I, you know, it's like every record, you can hear where you fuck up, but I can hear lots of sure. fuck ups on this one. Oh, and, yeah, me too. you know, yeah. I knew at the not time, you, that the, yeah, but, I, and I knew at the time that my vocals were not, Again, if it, give it another six months, and, and my voice would have got stronger. Oh, um, yeah. It would have the, the melody would have been a little bit closer to the actual notes that, that they were intended to be. But at the time, I remember thinking, "This sounds like us live." It's yeah, that's, that's cool. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if it actually is. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally feel that way. Just recently listening back to it, because I, I don't want to necessarily call them mistakes but it sounds like, like we were playing it all live because it, it wasn't perfect. There were right. so many like imperfections, not bad, but just little imperfections here and there. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I which is a crazy like we, thing for, for me, like as, as a perfectionist to, to oh, want to do that. I, I should have yeah. known that that was a bad idea, but. Yeah, I, I I can't remember the mindset we were in as far as yeah that's that works that's good enough and then listening back it's like uh, yeah because because I, I feel the same way about a lot of my vocals like wow you didn't you didn't exactly hit that note did you and <laughs> and and Jim is not one to let things slide no, either he's not. 
but so it must have been us like we must have been like yeah let's keep it let's just go with it this way yeah yeah are you sure it wasn't budget maybe it was budget as well i mean maybe that was a little bit of it that, because i think we're that could have had something to do with it still in debt from rig <laughs> no rig <laughs> became an under budget um uh rochambeau we went over rig we went under the monroe doctrine is a completely different situation so we were actually we were actually pretty solid as far as uh Jordan and budgets were concerned, if I recall. Which is the if one Jordan where ever... people started buying equipment? You know. Oh, that was that was the Monroe Doctrine. Because I remember not needing a drum set, but I remember <laughs> someone getting something, and I said, "Why are they getting shit?" Yeah. Their stuff, so I'm like, you know, what? I'm getting a drum. Yeah, and and you didn't need a drum <laughs> tech to co- and you didn't need a drum tech to come in for three freaking days to like tune your new drum set that you didn't need. But, but we, we went with it anyway. Yeah, that, that happened anyway. Yeah, I still have that drum kit. The blue one? No. Well, yeah, I have that one, but no, the premiere, the red one. That's the red the one. one. Yeah. That's the one I bought. Going, I don't really need a new set, but everyone else is buying new stuff, so I want that new. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's all right. Um, so <laughs> the last track on the vinyl is a song called Knox, and it's a uh, both it's a looks like a collaborative effort between Kevin and Popeye. You want to talk about uh, about this one? Sure. Very quickly, Knox. I could not be happier with. I love that song to death, and I think it turned out perfectly. If the seven inch could be just Knox, and then on the other side, Knox, great. <laughs> can you nothing uh, wrong with that song in my eyes? Can you hum? Uh, can you hum the? Uh, Oh, that was the. Thank you. Right in there now. Now I know what we're talking about. Just like a live show when we were like, all right, this next one's called such and such. And Bob would say, how's that one start? What's the name of this one? And then I'd go, oh, we'd practice. And I knew you were literate and we gave you a set list, but you would still just be like, how's that one start? Do I start that one? Once in a while, you just get your wires crossed. Start something different than what you guys are doing. Oh, I get it. But, yeah. uh, you know, I remember doing it when we do live, when we do shows, uh, doing the five minute whole set rehearsal with our teeth. And uh, <laughs> remember? And we yep. click off and we just play the whole set, but we hum our parts. Yep. That was <laughs> yeah. for me than anyone else. <laughs> But it got us through the night. Yeah. Mm. Did you two write a lot of songs together, uh, uh, Kevin and Popeye? Or is this kind of an exception to the rule where most of the songs written one or the other? Um, We would kind of like, we didn't like sit down and say, all right, let's write a song together. Like, like one of us would bring part or most of a song to practice. And then the other one would be like, oh, I got a part that'll kind of fit in there. So that that was usually the extent of our of our collaborating as as far as I can remember, um, right? And then we just and then we would just kind of kind of jam it out at uh, at practice and just see what everybody liked and what everybody didn't like. Um, I think I remember the song being a, a total Frankenstein's monster. It was like you had two riffs, I had two riffs, and they we just alternated them. There's a lot and, of riffs going on. In that yeah. Song. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. 
yeah and i remember i remember um like taking cues from you not that you told me to do anything but i was always just so impressed with with uh with your creative chords that you would make up there weren't even chords it was just like well i'm putting my finger here and this finger here and i'm like is that a chord i don't know what that is um and, and so trying to put some of that stuff in there and being very impressed with myself like hey look i'm learning i'm <laughs> i'm i'm playing guitar with kevin murphy hey uh and uh yeah that's my they're, jazz they're... background <laughs> so who came up with the title Knox, and what is the significance oh the lyrics are all popeye i have no idea what that song is about oh it's about having a having a crush on a woman that was like five years older than me and way out of my league and and it's it's really just about it's just about self-hatred and i'll never get a woman like that um uh yeah her 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 last name was brown and i remember talking to evan jacobs about it and evan being the master of tangents said you know there was a boxer once named knox brown maybe you should call the song not and i was like yeah fine i can't think of a title and then of course uh, true to form evan wants to take credit for way more than he should be given credit for. <laughs> I came up with the idea for that song. No, you didn't. In, in fact, is this the same, that, is this the same person that, that um, I hope you're unhappy is about? No, that's a, that's a different chick okay. that was way out of my league, but I actually okay. had a relationship with her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we'll be, we'll be uh, talking about that one in uh, <laughs> for a while. Well, I, I've got a story up. about that one too. So, yeah. The rate we're going. <sighs> It might it won't be for about a year because I think that's yes. what Rev sixty nine or something. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, hopefully everyone will forget the stories that we keep repeating whenever we come on <laughs> these things. We're just we're just in it to to just amuse ourselves, Greg. I hope you I hope you don't mind. We you know oh, we, we love try it. to stay in touch, but we're we, we just you know we we enjoy making each other laugh, bringing a little levity into our lives, and no, you guys are the catalyst it. for it, and we appreciate it. You, so um, speaking speaking of Knox, there is, and, and I don't remember, know if you remember this, Popeye. There was a, a point in the song, um, somewhere near the end, where um, we had finished recording, and, and I realized that I had fucked something up, and went back into the studio to fix it, but for whatever reason, I used your guitar, and. I, I wish I, I wish I'd done some research to tell you the time, like in the song, like in three minutes and eight seconds or whatever. But if you really listen carefully, you can hear where the recordings blend together. And it goes from my guitar tone to your guitar tone and then back to mine. And it's got this weird, it's almost like a flanger. It goes like and back. And it lasts for about like 20 seconds. And every time I listen to that song, it is the only thing I can hear. Because I think, why I didn't I just bring my fucking guitar to the studio? I don't remember that. God, now no. I got to go back and listen again. You'll wow. hear, just, just pay attention, like listen to it with headphones because it's, it's in one speaker. And okay. it just, it's so, once you, once you hear it, it's so, it's all you'll hear. And it's not the, it's not the solo. Like it's like a. It's after that. It's that thing where I'm doing the octave parts like. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Which, which again, listening back, I was like, why did we even put that? 
because we were thinking, hey, let's put another riff into this song that goes on. Yeah. Through. Well, and, and also, <laughs> another, you know what would be good in this song? <laughs> guitar solo. Yeah, that was something I wanted to mention that I don't know. I want to, I want to, I'm curious about Kevin and Bob, what you guys think of this. There are, there are, there's only on the, on the vinyl, there's only four songs. Two of them have outright guitar solos on Love them. which is which they're amazing but something we did not do like up until that point yeah. i think like kevin your your fingerprints are all over all the songs you did on rigged but they weren't like outwardly guitar solos they were riffy little nuggets here and there uh up until uh someday too soon when you have that monster of a guitar solo towards the end but we were, I mean, we were never a band that was like, yeah, you know what we need right now? Fuck guitar solo, bro. Exactly. Fuck yeah. Like, like we, like we worked at guitar center or something, <laughs> you know, like we, we, we weren't that kind of band. Nope. And, and, and the solos are great. And I think they work, but I've often wondered if maybe subconsciously that's something that I, that made me kind of shy away from loving this record so much because it was just something that we didn't, really do and there just weren't solos in punk or hardcore very much yep and you know, maybe, that, what maybe you, that's why i guys like it this record. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. You're maybe maybe that's because. why you guys are stupid yeah. should have been more guitar <laughs> maybe i'm like this is yeah this is this is why i, I dig this one but uh yeah, it shines light on the kevin skills finally i think you know oh absolutely like what yeah. where did this come from it's like it's <laughs> even hiding this shit man yeah, yeah it's 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 pointless it's the sound of a guy going hey look what i can do <laughs> i love it <laughs> nah it worked man i think they they bring something to the song but uh yeah i don't know like uh like like uh i'm just curious what everybody else thinks kev what do you think I I don't I don't even know why they're there. I, I I don't remember what possessed me to, and they're not even good. They're like Motorhead guitar solos, like Fast Eddie Park guitar, just like wait, like they're just they're. How could you suggest that a Motorhead guitar solo is not good? Oh well, I, I should say Fast Eddie Clark is one of my favorite guitar solo dudes <laughs> because he's he's so generic, and there's something about it that I love. I don't I don't know why they. They don't need to be there. They're just filler. But I'm glad Bob likes them. That's great. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I like I like them just, too, but just in, in retrospect, I'm kind of confused. Like, why did we put those there again? Did we just I do remember when, when, when we play live, I would I would always I'd always think like, why did I put this in the song? Because then like I had to do it live. And and again, being a perfectionist, if I like flubbed one note, that was it. We were terrible. And I was I was all like pissed off. <laughs> And there's there's the opportunity to screw those up was so uh, just just so amplified because there's so many fucking notes in it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they're there. They shouldn't be. And there's none on, yeah, on the next record, right? Is there solos on? I don't think so. No, yeah. no, not like not like that. Little right. little no. little tidbits here and there. Yeah. yeah, most. I mean, most of the most of the stuff that. Most of the stuff that you did, Kevin, was stuff that just kind of worked its way into the song, like a lot of single notey stuff, but not like, all right, everybody, take a step back, still no time. Like, yeah, right. watch me. Yeah, didn't Turn have the lights on, Kevin. Yep. Yeah. 
yeah. one foot up on the monitor. That is weird because you're not you're not that person, and it's weird that now that I think of it, that you were yeah. for a couple points. Well, time. and can I, and Kevin, can I call you out on something? Uh, no, I remember. Yeah, no, I, going back, I remember you were trying to teach me the solo. You talking about being a perfectionist just a second ago. You were trying to teach me the solo to someday too soon. And I think once or twice, just as a joke, you were like, you play the solo tonight. And there was that part towards the end where it goes, and you said, no, the point is make it as sloppy as possible. It's supposed to exactly like, like your fingers are supposed to be moving too quickly. And I'm like, but I don't understand. Like, aren't you supposed to hit the notes? You're like, no, (laughs) not really. That was the point. It was just, it was, it was a guy going, Yep, <laughs> but I but those were some of my proudest moments. Like, hey, look, I'm soloing. <laughs> I can't guitar solo, so. Oh, I can't do it to save my life. So that's why I was always super impressed with anything Kevin could do. Um, who's the big? Obviously, it's. I'm assuming it's Kevin, the big Husker Du fan of the of of you four. Uh, I am. I, I don't know if uh, me, Kevin. Well, we're fans, yeah. but uh, you're a super fan. We we know this about yeah. you. You have a Husker Du tattoo, Kevin, I or am I, did I completely imagine that? Okay, I remember. Okay, yeah. Um. Yeah. So hardly getting over it is only on the CD and streaming versions, not on the vinyl version of the uh, EP. So the what, cassette what? for our friend. Holly oh, yet? maybe the cassette too. Maybe cassette. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, those exist. <laughs> how did you but, decide to pick that song out of all the well how did you decide to pick that song to cover yet yet another song that i i love um that that was i remember maybe i'm maybe this is one of those mandela moments where i'm misremembering i remember recording that because i got to the studio early or the other guys were late or something like that. And so Jim and I were like, what do you want to do? And I think Popeye's acoustic guitar was there or maybe, cause you were recording um, uh, Dark and, and the other one that was on the, the comp. And I think that was just, I remember it being me just sitting there with the guitar and the, the guitar mic and me mic playing live recording it so that I would have a recording of it and then could later woodshed on it um, <laughs> and see if maybe this would be something that, um, that we could do live. And, and I, I overdubbed the guitar um, solo, the, 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 the song, it's like a, like an organ or something, but it was never intended to, to be, anything other than me lazily playing this so that I have a record of it and they can do something with it. I do not know how it ended up as, as a bonus track on, on the, the CD. And, and I keep waiting for Jordan to appear so that I can ask him, please remove it because it is awful. It's no, awful. it's not. I got to no, disagree. Yeah. I, I think it's great. Like I like that. I actually, cause you know, I'm also super fan. Who's could do super fan? Bob Wold. Um, you know, on the out, it's on the album Candy Apple Gray, which you know that's a real downer of a record. First off, yeah. that, that was their major label debut, 
Um, and that song, Hardly Getting Over It, it is a full band song. Like it's an acoustic bass, but you know, there's, um, and then like, like Kevin said, there's organ in it, there's percussion and everything. Um, and side note, he finally, I haven't seen him play it live. He did it live uh, last month when I saw him, which was cool. Oh, no way. And he'd never done it. Oh. Full band, him, John Worcester, Jason Arducey. And it sounded wow. great. But I liked that this was just a stripped down version of it. Um, because it didn't just sound exactly like the original. I, th- I think it's a great cover, honestly. I, I really wow. dig it. Um well, that's good, and and I appreciate that. Um, I'm I like I said, I'm not I'm not happy with it, but I, you know, it, it it's all subjective. So so if other people like it, that's great. I'm I'm personally I'm not. But now I do want to know: Was Jordan just like we need some extra stuff on the CD? Uh, let's hear. Like, how did he get it? Did you give him the song? Because then I'm like, oh, I think it was just all included with with the, with the, the reels in the reels. Yeah, yeah. So then there's another and to be to, to be fair, I don't think I've ever come come to Jordan or, or Red or anybody and said, you have to remove this. I think I was just, just like, well, it's fucking on there. So fine. It, it's 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 written into the permanent history. There it is. Fuck you, I won't listen to you. That's right. <laughs> um, don't tell me my way of living, you turkey. Uh the the way I remember it, I had recorded two acoustic songs, and yeah, you you were you were totally by yourself, and you had never mentioned that you wanted to do anything. Mm. The rest of us just kind of caught wind of, oh, wait, what did Kevin do? And I don't we, have that kind of voice. It does not. It is not suited to like a folky. I'm in a coffee house with my guitar kind of thing. You are able to pull it off. I'm good at like yelling and being like a nasally rush sounding screamer. And that's it. Well, but I don't know, but I could, I could never, I was never able to pull off a live recording of an acoustic song. And I don't know, there was just something about it. And I love that song. Like it, it, it both versions like kind of bring me to tears every time I hear them. And, um, and, and also knowing, how much of a Husker Du fan you've always been. I also felt like, yeah, of course I, I, I want this. I dig this. I would love for this to be on this record because I know it would be very, very meaningful to Kevin. And I also love the song to boot. So I dig it, man. Uh, Uh And I, and I, and I dig the, and like the rest of the record, we talked about the imperfections, not mistakes, but imperfections. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked about it. Jordan always referred to it as the grandpa was a schizo song. I was going to say, I think, I think that was the thing that, that Bob always latched on to was the, the grandpa had a seizure. <laughs> I remember in the studio, like you would heard it or something. And, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't remember even knowing you guys recorded this acoustic song. I think we were, I was, yeah, and I was, yeah, later I, was, I, was, I was, yes. there. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't there either. We just, it just, it's like, oh, we have we have content. Great. <laughs> yeah, more to add. Good. More to add. Bonus tracks. What about? I would love, I'll to, wait I would love to have heard you guys do. Well, real quick, I would have loved to hear you do a like one of the more aggressive Husker Du songs as a cover. I think would have been super super cool. I'm trying in my head to think like, what could I see them doing? 
and uh, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you. I don't think we for- ever. I don't think that was. I don't think we ever even considered something like that. Not that we wouldn't have. We didn't do a lot of covers. No. Um, no, we just unless it was for like a compilation record, which only happened like a few times. Like we just yeah. Return of the did. Fly, the lounge version of Return of the Fly by the yeah. Mystics. Sure. And the yeah, the, as, okay. as close to the original as we could, Metal Man by TT Quick. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Very proud of that. And yeah. then the next record has a cover that uh, a friend of mine was like, "When you get to the next one, you got to ask about that." So we won't say anything on this one, but but the Graham Parker one. Oh, yeah, wait, you said you weren't going to ask. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know that song, Blue Highway. But we won't we won't talk about it. We'll save that for episode 069. Well, wait, Kevin, can I ask another question? And maybe Bob. Sorry, Greg. Uh, You're fine. Didn't we didn't we do an acoustic show with Sensefield? Yes. And we didn't we play uh, Harley getting over it? Just you and I, me, I think. I don't remember playing Hardly Getting Over It. I remember playing, I remember you did a Buffalo Tom song and I did a Bob Dylan song. Oh, we did a Buffalo Tom song. Yeah, we did, uh, I think, uh, Larry, I think. Yeah. Yeah. uh, What's that album? Let Me Come Over, I think. Yeah. Let Me Come Over, as you used used to call it. Let Me Come Over. Let Me Come Over. (laughs) Um, Uh, I don't remember doing the the Who's Could You one. Hmm. That was going to be I, I, I couldn't imagine that we would that, that I would have agreed to it because I was so unhappy with how it turned out. See, I'm thinking like we just didn't have enough to fill up a set. Like I think we tried to get together the night before the show, and we were like, "Can we try to do something?" We were like, "We got." Should we practice? Yet? <laughs> no, I don't know. we'll be good. No, we're just good. We're just good at. We're just good at Del Taco. Yeah. Just yeah, Bob, all you have to do is just hit light. That's it. That's the only modification. Just hit light. Yeah, I think we only played like two or three songs, and then we were sitting in chairs, and it was awkward. And then Senseville just blew everybody away. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the difference between a professional band and uh, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> well, I'll wait today. The last song on the CD. Yeah. Great song. Great, great guitar riff. Such a good guitar riff. Which, if I remember correctly, the plan was that was going to be a full band song, like a loud, oh, like what? full band song. And what I think we attempted to start putting it together. Huh. I don't remember that, but uh, I uh, I could be wrong, of course. As Maybe you said, I, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. Like, Do you right? I, I don't um, remember that at all, Kevin. <laughs> You're wrong. Bob's thinking about Bob's <laughs> thinking about shrimp boating right now, waiting for the caffeine to kick in. So, that laughter. <laughs> so I yeah. have to I have to ask before we get to hot tracks, uh, one last thing. The layout, the photo. Whose idea was it to do this photo? It's I wanna, hilarious. I want to I want to take credit for that. Uh, real quick, I listened back to I'll wait today and I think it's like six minutes long. Why does an acoustic song need to be? I could, I, I could have summed it. Yeah. Talk about throwing in riffs. Like I could have summed that whole thing up in like two and a half minutes. I don't know. I don't know why you guys let me put that song on the record in the first place. Even if you think it's a good song. 
the hell, I'm with man? Bob. I don't. I didn't know that you recorded it until neither, it, it neither did out. I. I just no. knew that this, there was an acoustic guitar in the studio. I'm like, what the fuck is that doing there? Let's do this. <laughs> I didn't know that you were actually. I, th- I think maybe Jordan said like, "Oh, Popeye's, you know, demoing some stuff or whatever." And I was like, so I. The uh, first time I heard that was when when it was on the record, and I remember looking at the CD going. The fuck is this song? I, I don't remember this one. Get out, oh. get out on that. That's all you, Pop. All oh. right. I, yeah, I think we. I think we were. We were. We were exploring. And it wasn't. I didn't have an acoustic guitar. Uh, it was. It was Jim Munro's. Ah. All right. Yeah. Well, you got to figure yeah, too. As, as usual, you got to borrow equipment. It's like, hey, dude, you got an acoustic guitar? <laughs> sure, buddy. I'll bring it. <laughs> You have to think too, maybe thinking back, it's an EP. It's kind of like a, uh, you know, normally what they call these like a stopgap release. Like, hey, we're still here. We got some more songs to tide over until we do the next album type deal. So maybe that was part of the thinking too. Is like, hey, we got these songs. Let's tack them on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- and I do remember that uh, CDs were still somewhat kind of newish and you could do a vinyl version but if you did the CD, you could put bonus tracks on it. And, yeah. and we didn't, and we only had four, like four songs as a band. So I think that may, that may have been the impetus of, well, let's, do some acoustic, let's do some acoustic songs and just fill it up a little bit, uh, make Jordan happy. And he can maybe, maybe recoup the cost of, of us goofing around in the studio as we were so I'm, I'm i'm right to assume there's probably not going to be a 12 inch reissue with all six tracks on it that, that's oh that's god some... no that would what a waste of money <laughs> that's, <Come on>. that's, <laughs> that's not something we're going to be pushing for i guess uh no and why and why would you you got everything you need right there to get uh, the make to get this the bigger, to make bigger yes exactly that yeah and and i believe we are all in agreement that that is the proudest thing about this record between all of us is, is I don't the know. artwork. I, I, I've always felt like Bob was not happy with it. I had, Bob, a, corduroy, Bob's I had a corduroy Bob, jacket on. Bob wasn't happy with Bob a lot was of fucking things. happy, man. Okay. Wasn't that your, wasn't, right. Yeah, wasn't that your, was that your dad's jacket or your brother's? Oh, totally. <laughs> my dad's. Yeah, it was your totally dad. my yeah, dad's jacket. No, it wasn't yours. <laughs> not a jacket. Let's get a corduroy one. It was just yeah, I don't like know, I don't know if I'm happy or not. I mean, I when I look at it now, it's it's just funny, it's laughable. But was I not happy about it? I don't know. No, you well, you were you were a willing participant. I don't know yeah. if you. Well, there. I, I mean, there was something really... about the layout that you didn't like. I eh, my face. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was it was the last time the last time we did this podcast, and, and you said, and we were talking about that. We were alluding to this this record and you said something about the layout and the blue and you're like, I didn't like the blue or something. And, and I wasn't consulted on the blue. And I thought, what does that mean? Cause this, the, the no, I was like, talking about uh, our first. Uh, yeah. I was talking about, no, I was talking about the color of our first. Uh, oh, the first seven inch. Yeah. Remember? Oh, I, right. Like, I had no say in our work. And I'm like, who picked blue? Like, like, Baby blue and like, none of us were involved in that in that in that okay. process. It was, just, it was just made. So was um, this done uh, at like a Sears? The, yeah, the done Sears. Yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah. And did yeah. you guys go there and just say like like were they did what did they like? 
the people that took the picture, they're like, why are these four guys? Like, were you like, oh, we're putting it on a record cover? <laughs> oh, or? she was into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very professional. She thought it was really fun. Yeah. We just said, hi, we're, we would just like to take a group photo, please. Because the okay. CD has um, an extra picture that's not in the on the vinyl where it's like you guys are like, you know, smiling and looking <laughs> you know all yeah. proper and then there's this cover whose idea was it like let's let's do these this like fun looking face i don't know but it is that's so how popeye right there he does, is it, does was it? often all right it, i love it i think i think it was popeye that, that said uh, like like we were taking pictures and we we're smiling or everything popeye was like okay guys we should look absolutely terrifying so that, that was the end result. Kevin, you, you, your photo of the terrified look, you pull that off the best. Oh, my God. You, yeah, Kevin, you I was going to say the best. Kevin looks absolutely terrified. What did Jordan say when you guys showed him, like, this is going to be the cover? He had to get a kick out of it. Uh, well, he didn't tell us we couldn't, so I yeah. guess he, he liked it. I don't know if he was necessarily jumping for joy, but I think he, he may have knew us well enough at that point to where he was like, all right, if that's what you want to do, or maybe he did love it. I don't know, but it, it, it passed. So, uh, you guys uh, remember, you guys remember the phone call we got after we did that from no. the FBI oh, or something. Remember there was what? a, what was <laughs> talking about you guys don't remember this. The there, was FBI. A, there was a crime or a kidnapping at Sears the day we took that photo. You don't remember? Oh, shit. That's right. So after like a month or two or a week, I don't know, uh, police or FBI called us and said, hey, you know, we got to ask a couple questions about your time taking these silly photos. Because we like, looked like sus- some pretty suspicious No, they like, if we saw anything happen and we're like, what? Like, I think someone got kidnapped like that morning or the time. Period. We are taking those photos. God, I vaguely remember that, but yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, wow. I don't remember that at all, and they'll never catch me. So that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you don't remember? Wow, no, I really don't. No, I I do remember that. I do remember that. Um, okay. and yeah. and Kevin, by the way, I still have that red sport coat. Oh, I I was going to say I knew that wasn't mine. I just I didn't know who no. borrowed it from. No, I bought it at Goodwill because it was really swanky and. uh yeah, it still fits, still in perfect condition. Right on. Nice. Still got it. Borrow it again, Kev. I'm surprised you didn't wear it for this. Yeah, you guys should recreate the picture. <laughs> I'll get it right now. <laughs> I, I have two more questions about the layout. One is the license plate frame on the actual CD itself. <laughs> very metal. The That's Tennessee the State license plate frame. And the other one is, if you look at the thanks list, it says... Um, Farside rides Revelation snowboards because they want the best word. <laughs> All right. The driver, the driver's license, the, the license plate was my license plate. Um, what, okay. <laughs> There's a story here. Brand, on what car? On what car? That's the story. So when I, I when I was like 15. <laughs> Bob, you just can't wait. You're just like, what car? You guys remember, you remember, um, what was it? Maybe it's still around, but Auto Trader, the, 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 yeah. Yeah, the newsprint sure. thing, all the used cars. So it, it, I lived in Tennessee. I was 15 years old. And, and I was like, oh, when I, when I turn 16, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to buy myself like a, a, a $1,000 VW Bug or a Carmen Ghia or something. I wanted like a tiny little, little German car. Um, so, 
So I turned 16. <laughs> well, that's what I wanted. I mean, I, I I wanted something small and practical, and I didn't want this this you know fucking van with Vikings on the side or whatever. So I turned 16, and if and, and a week or so goes by, and my dad shows up <laughs> in a red, bright red 1979 Trans Am. And he and, and like he pulls into the driver the, the 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 driveway and I I come out and I'm like the fuck is this and he like he's so proud of himself he like throws the keys at me and I'm like, oh and he's like I got you a car and I'm like what and he's like yeah I got you this car and and he says you know but you gotta get a you gotta get a job and pay it off so I wound up with this '79 red Trans Am I cannot emphasize how awful this car was the big fucking firebird on the front it was like an actual firebird so, so loud but it was a total piece of shit so like you you'd like like you know you'd mash down the the, the accelerator and it would stall out like so it, it, it didn't even achieve what it was supposed to do and then eventually both doors stopped working and so rather than fixing it because that would require money I just kept the windows rolled down and I would climb in Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> but anyway, so as soon as I got that car, I was like, well, I, I got to get a driver's license. So I got a driver's license and I went to get my plates and they're like, would you like get personalized plates? $10 extra. And I was like, shit. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and it was, and so VRYMTL, it's, it's the, it's Vivian from the young ones. It's, it's the back of his jacket. And so I had a red firebird that said, very metal on it. It could not have been any more Tennessee. And when I moved to California and I drove into Woodbridge High School in Irvine in that car, all eyes were like, who is that dude? This guy's badass. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the license plate. What was the other question? Great. Oh, the, the snowboards. Oh, yeah, got it, like got them yeah. for free or something, right? Anyway, it's sponsored by Revelation Snowboards, I believe. Yeah. I think you were the only person that I still have it. Yeah, I, I, it's like none of it, the rest of us were like, Above us. yeah, I still have that board. I do. Yeah. Wait, so Revelation Records made snowboards or they were no, just it was no, a they're... totally different company. Uh, totally different company. Yeah. Ah. I don't know. I don't know. They the probably shoes. just thought it was a good, yeah. Yeah, like they tried to do a little, cr- little, little cross promotion kind of thing. I think Brian well, might have to do it. Brian Chu, I think. Oh, really? Okay. But yeah, I, I still have it. And, uh, Anyway, that's it. That's I got one, you, and I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> put a Revelation record sticker on it, and then call it a day. That's yeah. good. It's good in the rafters. That's about as much use as it gets. Keeps the rain out. <laughs> yeah. So now, yeah, real quick, back to the T-bird or the fiber. Did it have T-tops on it? Yeah. Oh, dude. That's yeah. oh, it, it wasn't just the exterior that was red. The the interior was red too. It was red and gold. <laughs> It was like it was like a fucking like moving Studio Fifty Four, just like dun, 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 dun. it was awesome. Oh, I, re- I remember seeing the photo and then learning the whole story, and I was so proud of you. I was like, <laughs> "What a firebird with the emblem on the hood!" And I'm like, yep. dude, you are the most metal guy ever. It is so. Yep. Cool. Yep. I think I threw like yeah. a. I think I had like a COC sticker and a, uh, uh, a Sodom sticker. And uh, what was the other German one? Destruction. I think I had a destruction sticker too. <laughs> it's very nice. Uh, so I, I was so like, oh, these stickers are the coolest. <laughs> Sodom. No one knows Sodom. 
<laughs> How long did it take when you when you showed up at uh, when you showed up at Woodbridge High School? How many days did it take before you got harassed about everything that was about you at that point? Woodbridge was great. I I fit in great at Woodbridge. It was like a whole new high school experience. And and so when I joined Head First, that was the car I had. And every time I would show up to practice, like John Scott would come out and be like, "Dude, the fucking Redbird, I love it!" And they were all stoked on it. Well, I remember driving home from school, like Aaron's in the in the, in the, the passenger seat, and it had like these um, like grippy things on the side, like just you can just rest your hand on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're, I'm driving home, and he goes, "Hey!" And he just pulls it off the side of the door and throws it out the window. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, oh, don't worry, we'll go get it. And it went down the gutter, so that was gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. I took, I, I took uh, my, my homecoming date to, to homecoming in that, and she had to climb in. <laughs> Dukes and Hazard style. Like, oh, no, you, you, just, just climb in. It, it, the dress will be fine. Did you tell her beforehand, or did you no. spring it on her? No, and and I know this will come as a shock. We never went out again. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. I'd love to see the yeah. photos of that event. If you oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was not a hot date, but it was in a hot car. Hot and I car. I think now it's time for. Hot tracks. Edge, I'm gonna pick on you first. My hot track is Lollapalooza. I dig this one. It's I like a lot of the songs on this um, EP, but Lollapalooza would be would be my favorite because um, I relate to it. I know I was playing devil's advocate, but I get it. Like I'm yeah. I'm there with you, Kevin. And it's a real good mid tempo punk song. You know, you have this era where you this era of rev with all these new bands that are basically hardcore kids playing music that isn't hardcore. And then it's like every now and then you just get a straight up punk song that slips through. And this is one of them. No, oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, um, here's a question, Greg. Do, do you ever ask, and it's more like, do you ever ask the, the dudes that do the show with you for a hot track? And the answer is, I don't like any of these songs. It hasn't come up yet. Cause like <laughs> no. usually the one, I'm putting them on blast here. The one that would have probably the most issue anybody listening will know is our dear friend Javier. But I will yeah. say that he will listen to these in like a like a research mindset. So he finds he's able to like sift through, you know, and and get the get the gold out or whatever. You know how they do the I'm doing the the shaky yeah. motion, you know. What I'm talking about. <laughs> He's able to to do that even on stuff where I know it's not his his thing, um, but so no, we, there hasn't there hasn't been one yet. The only one I remember, I think Iceburn Hephaestus, I had none because to me it's all one like track, like it all just flows. But it's yeah. awesome, right. but it, like I couldn't really pick like a specific like movement of it. Like I was just like the whole thing sick but it's just you know i i i don't like when i listen it's not something where like this you could put on a, a song you know on a mix or whatever ice burn have faced this isn't like that it's it's like this whole thing <laughs> work you know um I, i'll jump in and say my hot track i was i was deciding between 1224 
and Lollapalooza. But after, you know, having this conversation and Kevin, your uh, thoughts on Lollapalooza actually kind of push that over the edge for me. And that's, that's also my hot track. I just, I like the idea. Nothing. You you have chosen wisely. No, I I was, you started saying that Greg and I'm like, Oh, please don't. (laughs) I love the idea of like, just, you know, for all of us that were, you know, got into punk and hardcore and didn't fit in, you know, to see it, like it just, that resonates with me. And the idea of like, these people don't really know, you know, like, like you said, yeah, it could come across as elitist, but it's also just being protective of something that's super important to you. And um, I think we've all kind of been there. And to me that your description of it just kind of gave it the little push I needed to pick it as a hot track. So that's also mine. And uh, hmm, who do we get next? Good. That's my hot track too. Okay. There Um, you go. I was going to say, yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, part of it's the message but part of it is i think the performance is the most solid out of those songs um i I think we're i think we were the most locked in on on that song it just like um one of the things i've noticed with some of the other songs is getting back to the we want to make it sound as live as possible sometimes the tempos in some of the songs would kind of Get a little fast and get a little slow, but but Lollapalooza seemed to stay the most consistent out of those songs, so it didn't drive me crazy. Um, and uh, I, uh, as usual, I learned some new chords from Kevin from in the uh, during the writing process and the learning process. Um, yeah, and it, and it, and uh, I I I love the way Kevin opens up his vocals, the way you, the way you sing the word never never like just it uh it hits you right extra large sinus and like the story yeah. now like <laughs> i i'm not gonna be and it's a good like i feel like it's gonna really like to paraphrase you know the big lebowski with tie <laughs> tie the room together with the rug it's really gonna tie the song together and like kind of put me in that place of being at Lollapalooza and looking around and and having and like we said like I love a lot of those bands that play that I love Rage Against the Machine I absolutely love I I think they're a fantastic band but the sentiment is definitely true in in the in you know what Kevin was talking about with the song um and especially at that 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 time yeah I I think uh, if I if I can keep going because they Fuck it. Uh, I always felt the sense of pride in we're not making any money. We're we're driving around in this kind of crappy van, which are, which we're happy to have. Our equipment's falling apart, but we're doing it. And and I I I and I don't know if this is just me being an elitist again, but I always felt very proud of the fact that we could make it to the next show. And we didn't have like handlers or any of that stuff would have made things a lot easier. <laughs> but at the same time, I loved the roughing it part of being on tour with a, with a punk rock band. Cause, yeah. <laughs> cause there, there was always a question mark of, well, <laughs> do 
do you think anyone's going to show up? So, <laughs> and you got to think like with with like Rage Against the Machine to use them as an example. Like Zach came from from this world, so, so to him it yeah. had to be weird at first too. Like I can only imagine what it must have been like going from you know in '91 he was still doing shows with Inside Out. I think was he with you guys in '90 90 or '91? Because it was around that time. It was, I mean, he was only in the band for, I think, like six months, maybe. Right. So it was, so around, it was around 90, 91, yeah. So, like, Rage Against the Machine does their demo in the end of 91, gets signed to Epic, Sony, whatever it is. They're all the same to me. Um, and then puts out, you know, the self-titled in 92, I think it came out. No, it, not I think, I know. And, like, he wasn't really that removed from the punk rock hardcore scene at that point. I mean, he was, you know, Mm-mm. so like the idea of, like you said, handlers and all this stuff had to be freak him out too. The other guys I can't speak to like where, well, Tim, Tim Comerford, I think he was like a, a hardcore kid too. Like he came from, uh, you know, the, the scene, but I, like the other guys, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I can't, and I can't say to Zach's credit. I remember when we visited him, on that Lollapalooza tour, I remember him saying, "Like, I, I just I can't relate to anybody here." Yeah, uh, he thought like, it was like, very like, weird. Yeah, he he felt very uncomfortable a lot of the time. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm talking shit on any of those bands. It's just that I felt a weird sense of pride in okay, <laughs> this band's going to break down at any moment, and we're going to be we, we, thank God we got our sleeping bags and um. Yeah, so it's not coming not across as as, as uh, anything right. negative. Yeah, it's definitely. All right. Not. Yeah, I just want to. I, people sure, know. Hell, people I, know. I mean, hell, I, I wouldn't know what to. I wouldn't know how I would have responded if somebody would have thrust a mountain of money at me and said, "Hey, you want to play in front of ten thousand people?" Like, you know, especially at, at that point, he was like twenty one, twenty two years old when this happened. I don't know what no. I like. I mean, you know, that's it's it is crazy to think about that, like. You know, and now they're one of the biggest, you know, biggest bands in rock, you know, like history. I mean, they'll probably be yeah. in the you know Hall of Fame and all that, but, right? But Farside is a way better band. And I'm not you well, know, not an ounce of sarcasm. A, di- a, but- <laughs> a different band. A different band, Ben. <laughs> um Kevin, what's your hot track? Um, I want to first say that the I want to. I want to be clear. Um, I I like. Oh, Rage just Against say Lollapalooza. No, 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 no. I just want to clear something. I like Rage Against the Machine. I don't. I don't love them musically. They they, they didn't connect with me all that much. I love the concept, um, and I love the the lyrics and what they were all about. I love that they they had like a, a list of books to read in their in their uh, their insert or whatever. And I don't doubt that there were plenty of people that had never heard of buried my heart at wounded knee or anything and, and, and went out and checked it out. And I think that's good. And I do know the band. I, I do know the lyrics. It just, it was escaping me at the time. So if, if anybody from rage is listening, please don't think that I'm like talking shit on you guys. I, I'm not. Um, Knox is, is my song. I love that song. I loved playing it live. I love the, uh, I, 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 I loved that. Um, I love that, that I came up with the opening riff. And then I remember Popeye, you, we were struggling. Like, what do we do after this? And then you were like, well, I've got this thing that I've been bouncing around and it just fit in so perfectly, but it doesn't. It's like a totally different key 
and they there it's like a totally different song but you put them together and it worked um and i thought uh uh i i thought bob played like extra aggressively i just really really liked that song um i was very very happy with how that turned out the rest of the rest of the record i think we could have done better i could have done better but i feel like i feel like i feel like knox we had we may have had way too much caffeine in our system at that point. I feel like we, we played it faster than we should After have. a good that night sounded, of shrimping. That, yeah, good yep. night of shrimp. But yeah, Knox, to, to me, Knox sounds like the most live out of all the songs in that record because we definitely had a, uh, we definitely had a habit of playing the songs way, way too fast live than as they were intended. I'm right, pretty sure that. Bob can pretty sure Bob can back me up on that. Sorry about that. Yeah. A little, a little too quick sometimes coming into the song. <laughs> and then Bob with finally you, what's your hot track? Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the, what song has the hardest solo that's, that you did that you couldn't repeat? I didn't get. What again, I have to tell you how it starts. No, no, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> No, in your opinion, well, of the two songs that have the solos, which one did you hate and the most? Or that's my um, question for you. That that'll be your song. Um, no, not in particular. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, the solo in Knox, I'm not too happy with. That one was that was just it was completely unwritten. That was just like I don't I don't I never wrote anything for this, and I think I just winged it in the studio. And we we're like, oh. I think you're right. And the very end, going crazy, right? Yep. That's my song. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, finally, what, what do you think Brian Chu's hot track would be if he was able to make it on? Huh. huh. It wouldn't uh, be the acoustics. I know that. Nope. <laughs> Although he was very good on those. <laughs> Which yeah, which people really... don't know because we removed the, the bass tracks because slap bass didn't work very well with those songs. <laughs> I thought maybe you were just trying to end justice for all him. <laughs> Turn the bass all the way down. Kind of um, I don't great, know. Great question. You I guys really do. don't know. I'm going to go with the... Uh, I'm just going to take a guess and I'm going to say maybe Turnip. It was... It, it was it was a little mechanical. I would think he'd like Knox. Brian always struck me as. I think I think Bob and Brian. I think you guys always liked the the more aggressive songs. I think I think I think it was more fun to to just sort of play balls out and. I think well I know Bob has said that but I I think Chu was the same way. Hopefully he hears Absolutely. and he can he can he can let us know and we'll right. announce it uh, <laughs> the, the next time we can. But guys, this was awesome. Um, it was a pleasure having brunch with you electronically, <laughs> a little Sunday brunch. There was beverages going around. Um, mm-hmm. Just always a pleasure. So thank you very much. Are you good? Just my crotch for a second. Okay, this is a new one. It's going to be on a 7 inch coming out on Revelation at the beginning of October. So it's called 122491. 
I only saw them twice. Who? Far side. Tell me about when you saw them, Jason. Uh, I saw them play with uh, Saves the Day and Fast Break. It was that East Coast run. Such a good time. So that was like kind of later on. Yeah, that was later on. I missed him on Rigged. Uh Yeah. Uh, it was good, but to be honest with you, Saves the Day got a really good reaction, and maybe some people left when Farside was playing. Uh-huh. So, uh, not can to I be, be real? That, like, but yeah, when they played Philly, I might have watched a little bit, but I was so excited for Saves the Day. They were supposed to headline actually, and Saves the Day got caught in traffic mm. um, coming to Philly. Okay, uh, they played the Kill Time, which Jason and Count Me Out. I've seen Count Me Out there. Yeah, remember the Kill Time in West Philly. Mouthpiece reunion, bit of Bo um, McMahon. Tim yes, McMahon. yeah, bit of Bo to Tim and the Mouthpiece crew. But um, I saw him only the one time, and I don't, I don't remember anything because I, I, I wasn't like I knew them, but I didn't know them like now. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm kicking myself because yeah. now, like of all the bands that played which was a great show. Nerve agents played fast break saves the day. Like I listen to far side the most. And I'm like, you don't fucked up. Yeah. Hey, do you think, and I'm sure that I'll get a couple of messages about this. Do you think that people under the age of 30 are going to latch onto far side in 2021? <sighs> Ooh, if you know you're, if you are interested in, Let's say you love Saves the Day, and then you go down a wormhole, and then you find Far Side. Then maybe. But it's funny you mentioned Saves the Day because now they're for old people too. Like, yeah, that's a good you know point. Like they, like they were younger at the time. It was like, yeah, I, I they think were like eighteen years old. Now they're in their forties too. So I think the gateway to Far Side would probably be Texas is the reason or Promise Ring. More so than saving. But do young kids even care about those? Like, like I'm just trying to think. Like, like maybe 25 years out, right? So maybe the kids who are like uh, that I mentioned it before, this kid Cooper, I could see him being like, oh, these other bands on Rev, the Texas is the reason, the Sense Field. Maybe he gets an in-flight, you know, CD, and he starts going down the wormhole, like you said. I don't know if he's going to gravitate towards Farside. I don't know if I don't know if this is a young person's um, music that they yeah. like. And like, let's say that Farside for some reason or Popeye does play a Rev Thirty Five. I think that it's going to be a lot of older people that are really stoked on it. And I mean, I, I, yeah. that is not that is not a diss that we're all old now in our own way. And, you know, it is 25, 30 years ago that I, you know, started listening to this stuff. So yeah, it's whatever. I don't, but you've also had 25 and 30 years of loving these songs. You know what I mean? Whereas Mm, someone newer that just got into them, they're not going to have that same thing that I did where I remember, you know, but also friends and playing rigged and, but also like it was, we were, yeah, we were like of that time. So like, in 1995, let's say, like, you know, rigged is out a while, you really get into far side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting into them now as a kid would have been for me going 25 years back, would have been like if I was like, like I'm looking at stuff in 1970. If I was like in 1995, like I'm really into the guess who, 
you know, like a classic yeah. rock, you know, like, or something like that, like, or Janis Joplin, like, you know, like it would have been kind of weird. Cause like, I didn't care about that stuff when I was f- 14. Like that was like, you know, so long ago, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like some kids, they, they're not going to necessarily care about stuff that was going on in 1995. I think that kids, kids today actually have it kind of easier because there isn't as much gatekeeping. Cause I think young kids like what they like. Some of it's hardcore, some of it pop music, some of it can be, you know, EDM or whatever. And they're comfortable with it. And I think that's awesome. Like, but like, when we were young, I think if you liked stuff that was outside of the norm in hardcore, you'd be ostracized. For oh, it. for sure. Yeah. And now they don't right. give a fuck. Like, it's yeah. just like, hey, you want to like, you know, Dude. wear a, a Billie Eilish t-shirt? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. To watch, uh, you know, Jesus piece? Doesn't matter. Yeah, Doesn't so matter. my kid has a friend and he will, he loves Show Me the Body, who I love too. And they're... Who? Fucking show me the body. Don't, don't. They're fucking wild. <laughs> I haven't heard yet. They're artsy and they're, they're pretty out there. Okay. And then he also likes ceremony. And then he also loves turnstile. And then he also loves dystopia. And he'll fucking, you know, like it, those, especially yeah. those four bands, they're, they're very far away from each other sonically thematically um the only the only like maybe constant that they have is that they're all got their feet in the um, the underground a little bit yeah that's the strength of younger kids though i think they embrace all different styles and it doesn't matter but i think if you showed up to a to a show in 1995 with a Lemonhead shirt on, people would think, what the fuck are you doing with that? They would. I was talking about it with, um, yeah. just yesterday with our friend Conrad. You okay. know, um, uh, a, a, an interesting thing too, and this kind of is, speaks on what Kevin Murphy was saying about the whole Lollapalooza thing. Typo negative was retconned into being acceptable around 2012. And I've yeah, said this before. When I was I'm growing a fan up, and I agree. When I was growing up, you did not fuck with typo negative. Nope. This was I... jokey Munsters MTV schlock rock that hardcore kids that I knew just didn't fuck with. Yeah. And subsequently, when Lollapalooza was around, say 94, 95, right? Um, I was too into hardcore. I was like, Damn. I don't want to watch Nine Inch Nails. I don't want to watch Rollins band, even if I liked those bands or some of those. I loved Jane's Addiction. I loved Rollins band, but yeah. I didn't want to pay the $30 or whatever to go sit outside all day and watch a bunch of these bands together when I could go to a fucking hardcore show for $5 and watch Farside, Sensefield, Outspoken, Strife, whatever. So uh, I think that then what you kind of back then you did pick a lane more than kids or yeah. adults now. Yeah. yeah I couldn't I mean, agree more. Like I was, I was, go ahead, Jay. I was gonna say, I went to go see shelter open for typo negative because I wanted to see shelter so bad. 
And the show was expensive as shit, mm-hmm. but I wanted to see Shelter. So, and it was expensive, like nineteen ninety five expensive. I think it was like twenty dollars or fifteen dollars. I think it was fifteen or twenty with service charges. I thought I will pay this fifteen dollars to go see Shelter because I want to see Shelter. And then uh, we watched two typo negative songs and just straight walked out because we thought it was awful. I mean, it it's uh, awful, but whatever. I'm a but fan. I love Lollapalooza. I yeah. went to many Lollapaloozas and had fun. Up until what Javier was saying, I guess it was probably because I think I still saw the Metallica. 96. Wu-Tang. It was like Metallica, Ramones. Was the last Ramones tour? Yeah, that's the one I went to, yeah. So now I look at these these lineups, even like the first two Coachellas especially, and I'm like, why the fuck didn't I go to this? Because it wasn't cool. Because it wasn't cool. And, And I think it's hard for people to understand, like, you know, one of my favorite bands, Sonic Youth. I was thinking yeah. about how I only saw them once and they came around here so many times, but mm-hmm. it was always like, you know, oh, it's too expensive or it's a big mm-hmm. rock show. And I yeah. saw someone posted a ticket stub of the Philly show they played around the time of uh, the Thousand Leaves record. Okay. Not a great record, but go ahead. There's some, I like it, but yeah, <laughs> okay. it's not. Um, it's not like one I would say is the best one, but that's yeah. we'll save that for the Sonic Youth Challenge. Woo! Uh, and sixteen fifty, sixteen dollars and fifty cents. Yeah. And I was like, why? Yeah, but when you're but, broke, but I was the same broke. as Javier. I was like, yeah. why would I pay sixteen fifty in nineteen ninety eight when I can pay seven dollars and go see Better Than a Thousand, Ten Yard yeah. Fight, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. Here uh, we are. Fair enough. Um, but, so let's talk about the seven. Yeah, let's yeah, talk about seven inch. So this came out 1995. Yeah, yeah. Right? Recorded 94. It said right. I, you I probably get into this and, and new, but. as we have talked about, I loved Rochambeau. I really love Rigged. When this came out, hold on. Open it up. You got to tell people what they're listening to. I just, uh, I just un- unboxed uh, the Far Side seven inch on cassette, factory sealed since 1995 when this came out i didn't give a fuck i completely checked out on far side by 1995 mm. which is wild so that's a, a span of like two years 1994 1995 up until june july 1995 when i graduated high school i fucking loved far side and i saw them so much as soon as this came out i was like no i'm not interested did you listen to it at the time? Maybe. So, Tav, you listen. I know, Jason, you haven't had a chance yet. The band's not even that crazy about this EP. Oh, shit. I think it's um, really good. This, oh, the tape cool. looks good. So, so the, the tape, tape does the tape great. have the examination book on the inside? No. Okay. It just um, It's just – so the tape, it's got the photo on the front. It's got the four-song track list on the front – and then it's the inside just looks like uh, lined paper, and it's all hand, it's all oh, okay. handwritten. It's got the yeah. it's got the um, the far side logo of the shirt that Jason's wearing. That's in the seven inch yeah. too, Jason. Crust, but it doesn't have Feel the like exam that. book, anything. So yeah, yeah. Popeye and Kevin, I was like blown away when to hear them say almost immediately in this interview, "Yeah, I didn't like this record, or I don't what? like this record." Nope. I mean, everyone's that's listening now was heard the interview, but yeah. I, when I listened to this record, I thought, why don't I listen to this more? Same. Okay. So my thoughts on this record, I put it on 
I put it on in headphones because I really wanted, it was like 5.30 in the morning and I'm like making coffee and stuff. And I'm like, I just, I really want to pay attention to this because I didn't want to, Never mind. So okay. uh, I, I did my homework. <laughs> First song, I didn't enjoy it. Whoa. Okay. Second song, I didn't really enjoy it. Mm. Fourth song, third song, I didn't really enjoy it. Fourth song, I loved. That's a hot track then. That's, that is my hot track. Uh, Knox is my hot track. That seemed to be the one that they were the most happy with as well. And then... Two acoustic songs? Yeah, because they're bonus tracks. I, I didn't I didn't enjoy either acoustic song. So the first one is Kevin doing a Husker Du song. Yeah. And then the second is Popeye. Jason, again, since you haven't heard the interview, I'll say that it seemed like, from what I recall, it's been a couple of weeks now since we did that, but neither Popeye or Kevin knew that those songs were actually going to be going on the record. Yeah. So like mm. Kevin was kind of just messing around. He's like, oh, I'm here early. Like, I'll do this Husker Du cover. Like, it wasn't meant to get released. And, um, you know, but I I enjoy it. I mean, but but everybody that I brought this up to that is into Far Side says, yeah, I always forget about that record. Yeah. So it's like, man. we're not alone. Like, we're not for whatever alone. reason, it's just kind of the forgotten release. I noticed how heavy the Hooster Do influence was on this though, and I knew I thought Greg is gonna love this fucking record if you I do if I you don't. It. But uh, my hot track's the first song just because I like that kind of soulful bad religion guitar feel that it has. A little bit slowed down, and then the hey hey. hey. I just mine like was, the chorus. My hot track, you know, was uh, I mean you heard it in the episode, but mine was all Palooza after hearing the story about it, kind of edged that one out. Um, you know, just cause it, it kind of hits. Okay. Uh, but, I don't know the story. Um, yet, yeah, you'll, you'll hear, we'll say, we'll leave some element of surprise. One of the things too, I, I reached out to, um, we reached out to Jordan. Um, and you know, I, I've been trying to reach out to Jordan when we do these, just to see if he has any, uh, you know, maybe extra insights or stuff that we should ask or, or, or whatever. And, um, I'd asked him about this record. I said, um, you know, if he has any memories and he, you know, shared a few things and he said, uh, he believes it's a great record. We, uh, and I've been trying to reach out, especially with some of these, not as like, you know, less, more mysterious releases or, you know, in this era, if he has anything to add. Um, and he had said, you know, he loves this record. Uh, he just thinks it's that, it's just that last, he said, quote, it's just that last drop of a band that was so damn special. Um, and then, you know, he, we talked about a few things to maybe discuss and ask them. We left no stone unturned on this, but he had a story about a promo postcard. Um, so he had this to say, and I'll let him speak for himself. When the Far Side 7 Inch was coming out, uh, we, we decided to make some postcards to advertise it. And, um, I don't think we were proofreading very consistently or at all back then. And somehow the far side postcard slipped through with two R's on it. And uh, Popeye graciously just laughed about it when he saw it and uh, pronounced it with the two R's. So uh, hopefully he'll send you that 
audio and you can enjoy. Far side. I will say this is my favorite far side artwork. The cover. Yeah. Makes you want to hang so out with the band. Gives you a good so shot funny. of the band's personality. It is funny. You know, and I love that they did the layout themselves for this. When I I think maybe as an 18-year-old, it turned me off. Oh, okay. And I didn't I didn't understand, appreciate, or like it. And maybe like I was like, and th- there's some of the the some of the lyrics on here are a little bit juvenile for me too, and a little bit too like woe is me like uh what is it in the second song or maybe third song when he's like i don't know i don't remember what it was but there's like some lyrics in here where i'm like that's just too self-deprecating for me man i love that shit and And now that's my pleasure i love those type of lyrics yeah i just which is probably why i love farce i i think just as as an 18 year old i wasn't ready for this record and as a 44 year old i don't appreciate it in comparison to its predecessors in the far side catalog so i won't be reaching for this record again and if someone asks me uh what i think of like hey recommend me a far side record i'm never going to tell them the seven inch what are you going to recommend rigged i would recommend rigged too yeah but on a drive Um, i'm going to put this on I'm just going to hit play all, play the whole catalog. Uh, I could, I could probably get away with a shuffle all, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, and, and that's, I don't know. It, it's, it's a hard thing because I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound too mean or critical about this, but I just prefer other far side records um, in, I do have to say, though, it was really fun and interesting hearing their stories about not just the rec- making this record, but about them as a band at the time. Like the story about going to see Rage Against the Machine and just the tours and all that stuff. I I, I appreciate. So uh, I liked that Farside was interviewed again on this podcast. And we'll be interviewed one last time. And Fingers we'll crossed. Be, yeah. And you know what's crazy? Like, not to, not, no spoilers. When I look at the track list for the Monroe Doctrine, it's daunting. It yeah. looks like there's 20 songs on there. And I think that that also turned me off about it at the time. Um, it has some of their best songs on it. It does. So now, at, at, as going back to it, I appreciate it more now than I did then. I had really checked out uh, when they made it. I was just on, I wanted the most extreme, heavy, noisy, crazy, sad, whatever it was, I wanted it to be the most extreme and Farsight didn't fit into that for me. Yeah. I wanted either Disembodied or Blackheart Procession. You know what I mean? Like the fucking brutalist or the fucking also brutalist in a different way. Yes. And, and Farsight just didn't go in there for me. So, um, but in, in the context of this podcast, in the context of the Revelation catalog. Yeah. Jay. Yo. Did you give a hot track? I did. Yeah. The first song on here. Oh yeah. That's right. You 12, said 24, 91. Mm-hmm. That's my hot track. 
Great. Uh, anything else about this record? I'll no. listen to it more. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. So what do we got next time? Oh, next time. I've been waiting for this one. I'm going to say it this time. I'm still yeah, do it. Case. Uh, Rev 46, Sensefield Building. One of my top Rev releases. Um, and that's one that I've, I've known just kind of frontwards and backwards since pretty much it came out. So, you know, I don't necessarily need to do as much homework. This is, this is an easy A for me. You're doing school, you know, like this, this would be i I'm just excited to dig in and, and learn all about the record itself. Great. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. Right. Later. Beat above. Peace. What's up, everybody? Javier here. Just want to give a special bit of bow to our top-tier patrons. Billy Tunnell, Bram Hubble, Brandon Gavell, Brian Skiffington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Cliche John, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, Dustin Perry, JPD2, Jeremy Holohan, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Maddie Cox, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Rob Moran, Ryan Walker, Tim Shear, Siren Records, and Dollar Slice Bootlegs. Listen, if you want information about how to help us out every month, please go to www.wherewinpodcast.com. you find that information and some other cool shit. And otherwise, we'll see you next episode. Bidipo.